Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is the Relunchables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer. In each episode, we'll be breaking down another 90s, early 2000s kids movie. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. If you love these 90s, early 2000s kids movies like I do, please leave us a rating or a review. Five stars only. I hate self-promotion as much as the next, but it really helps spread the word about the podcast and helps us continue to bring on incredible guests. On this episode, we'll be covering the 2003 Disney Channel original movie, Full Court Miracle. For this, I had to bring on my only friend with a Jufro, Matt Olchel, who checks both boxes of being Jewish and having that passion for basketball like myself. Unfortunately, I couldn't find a trailer for Full Court Miracle, so we're just going to settle with the Disney Channel original movie, Intro Music. And we're rolling. Thank you, Matt, for joining me on the Relunchables podcast. Thank you for having me. For my listeners who don't know, I bring on a new guest each episode to recap their choice of Disney Channel original movies. So I know this is a bit of a stretch, but why did you choose Full Court Miracle? Oh, yeah, definitely chose it. Uh, <laughs> I think I was assigned a Full Court Miracle, but uh, I can understand why I was assigned <laughs> Full Court Miracle now after I've seen it for the first time. <laughs> so yeah, good. Well, almost good choice. Good, good effort. I promise that this is probably going to be the most Jewish episode of the podcast ever. Um, I think every young kid was able to see themselves in these movies, but there is no greater example of this than Full Court Miracle for a young Jewish kid like us growing up, um, at least for myself growing up in New York, I could definitely relate to Alex Schlotsky. I think you're probably an even greater example since you went to Jewish private school and you know, I think you could really relate to his character. That's true. Uh, yeah, I was uh, definitely uh, uh, felt the connection to, to the main character in terms of uh, suffering on a, on a bad team. And I went through that in middle school and high school. And uh, I know what it's like to be on a, on a Jewish team and, and get your ass whooped uh, just about every game. You didn't go two years without a win, though, like Alex Schlotsky's teams, did you? Oh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I think you've heard this story before, but teams used to come to the games and their fans would bring the staples that was easy button. And when we shoot free throws, <laughs> they'd click it. <laughs> uh, I'm curious for my listeners, you know, who don't know you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, your upbringing, you know, how, how Jewish were you growing up? I can only speak to myself who was probably Jewish and definitely did not keep kosher, although I was bar mitzvah, even though people think I did not have a bar mitzvah. Uh, what was it like for you? Yeah, so uh, growing up in LA, like uh, most of the people that I knew were, were Jewish and my, my friends were Jewish, uh, pretty involved in the Jewish community. I went to Jewish uh, day school, like K through 12. Um, and so definitely had a, a Jewish upbringing. Uh, I kept kosher uh, up until I was 13. I got my bar mitzvah uh, certificate when I was 13 as well, <laughs> at the bar mitzvah. Um, and uh, yeah, 
I was always into, into basketball and uh, growing up, I definitely had the dreams of the NBA and, and little did I know that that wasn't, that, that wasn't uh, possible. Actually, you, you probably know this, but um, I gave up my career of childhood acting to pursue my, my dream of the NBA. So it's, you know, I definitely get it, you know, I can see where he's coming from. Oh yeah, you know I, I'm I'm so glad you watched this because I think a young you know Matt Ulchel at you know maybe ten years old watching this would have been this would have been your favorite movie probably right? It's definitely possible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would have sold your Dr. J rookie card like he did though. I don't know. No, about that. definitely not. My my Akeem card is still at home. <laughs> So let's get right into the movie here. Uh, Full Court Miracle has a runtime of an hour and 25 minutes. It's directed by Stuart Gillard and written by Joel Silverman, Joel Kaufman, and David Yost. I guess these are all Jewish uh, writers, it sounds like. Uh, it has a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb and a 45% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is a little outrageous for how low that is. Uh, no reviews from the critics. It was released on Friday, November 21st, 2003, right in time for the Hanukkah season. It followed Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off and Cheetah Girls, so a nice little three-movie run there. And our new category, Random Internet Review of the Week, comes from Skin Nervic. And this review says, my computer connection went down for a while, so I flipped on the boob tube, and there was on HBO, Full Court Miracle, a wonderful, feel-good, positive movie about believing, hope, inspiration, and not giving up. I had to Google it. I didn't realize that boob tube was slang for TV. I never knew that, and uh, I guess he's probably not from the United States, maybe, maybe not, and I don't think this was on HBO. I think he's probably mistaken there. I can't see Full Court Miracle appearing on HBO. Yeah, I would, I would happen to agree. I don't <laughs> think uh, HBO would, would shell out the cash for this one. Uh, so let's get right into the categories, and let's start with, you know, Matt, how would you describe the plot of Full Court Miracle in, in under a minute? Ooh, okay. Well, uh, Jewish... Uh, elementary school, middle school, maybe. <laughs> middle uh, school, with, yeah. Okay, Jewish middle school with a really bad uh, basketball team. They hire a black guy, so pretty <laughs> stereotypical there to, to take the team and, and revamp it. Uh, but of course, adding in the, the miracle component, you know, some Hanukkah references there. Due to the Maccabee, uh, you know, the, the, the team has a finals match against the, the rival school. And of course, what happens, but there's a power outage and the backup generator miraculously lasts longer than expected. And of course, they win the game like every feel-good movie. <laughs> Perfectly said. Uh, so let's get right into it and talk about the most rewatchable scenes. And I want to start with when we first get introduced to Lamont Carr. And this is, of course, where Alex and his friends are playing at the local park. And we see Lamont with just like he's, you know, in the bright light and the music playing and he's not missing a shot. He's dunking the ball, you know, and this is where, of course, Alex comes over, asks to rebound for him. You know, he's trying to get information about Lamont. He even challenges him to a shooting competition. Lamont's not biting at all. I just love this scene. We first get introduced to him. You know, what do you remember about this scene? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty stereotypical and <laughs> I wonder if, if he was, uh, a white guy if it would be uh, the same the same reaction if they would have just said you know let's try the next court <laughs> uh, the next scene I had is uh, this is a little after where Alex comes back to the courts with his friends and he says you know Lamont that's my crew over there and the camera just cuts to the crew playing basketball so horribly I think Joker Levy just throws the ball 
over the backboard. It's like some of the worst basketball I've ever seen. They throw a pass to like someone's back. They're not even turned. And LaMancha says, my sympathy is to, you know, his reaction of having his own team. And again, this is just, I really love the basketball scenes in this film, probably more than anything. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think LaMont should have seen my team growing up. He would have said, he would have walked away real quick. Um, yeah, that, that, that was pretty dismal, the, the basketball scenes actually throughout the movie. Like, even when they were actually trying to play, you could tell that these kids have never played a day in their life. <laughs> Yeah, the basketball scenes, like in most of these Disney Channel original movies, was uh, something to behold. And uh, the next scene I had is something that really is is close to our heart. And this is when Lamont Carr comes over to the rabbi's house for Shabbat dinner. And this reminds me of college. And I think you know where I'm going with this. One of our roommates, Benji, who came on the podcast to break down the movie Smart House, his stepmom was the rabbi at Indiana University. She ran the Hillel organization there. And for one Shabbat, we brought, we brought over our good friend Chika, uh, an African-American. No, of course, he was not Jewish. And this scene kind of reminded me of that. Do you have any memories of having Chika over for Shabbat? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, it's funny because Chika ended up working at Hillel, and he loved the, the Jewish food, which is funny. This was one of the scenes that I, that I note, noted, too, to discuss, uh, one of the rewatchable scenes, like... Uh, but he loved the gefilte fish. I don't think Chica loved the gefilte fish. I don't think anybody that's not Jewish loves gefilte fish. So that, that will probably be referenced later in this, in this interview too, because when it comes to like believability, that doesn't cut it. Yeah, I don't think anyone who's even Jewish likes gefilte fish. I know I hate it. I'm, you know, I like the chopped liver, not a big horseradish fan. Uh, and of course he asked for the milk at dinner. And of course that's not kosher. We all know that. Uh, the mom is so salty at that scene. She's just salty throughout the movie. She's so discouraging of Alex to, you know, encourage him to, you know, support his dreams of playing one day in the NBA. The next scene I have is I love when Mrs. Klein is chasing Lamont to see where he lives to get it on, I guess, an insurance form. Everyone needs an address. And of course, this is where Alex leaves him the note. And instead of just having the note for the audience to read, you hear Alex's voice reading the note aloud, even though Lamont's holding it, which is just a classic kids movie trope. And then Lamont, of course, is driving to, you know, Alex's father's, you know, apartment complex. And he tries to, you know, make believe that he doesn't see Mrs. Klein chasing him. He ultimately gets to the door of the apartment. Alex is like, here's the key, knock in five seconds. Mrs. Klein is right outside the window. She's messing with the convertible top and she gets splashed. All the water gets in the car. Uh, I just really like the scene. And of course, it ends with, you know, Lamont getting a free apartment. Yeah, free apartment sounds great. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all for that. I, I know where he's coming from. <laughs> and of course, the last rewatchable scene that I had is just the final match where we kind of, you know, get the metaphor to Hanukkah and the generator lasts until the end of the game. And, you know, they, instead of Schlotsky, you know, being the ball hog that he is, he finally learns to pass. He gives it the stick for that ridiculous hook shot from the free throw line that he banks in I guess this was you know a later version of Kareem I don't know but that scene was just completely unbelievable to me yeah yeah definitely it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little far-fetched I think the whole movie is fair to say it's, it's far-fetched but that's what what makes the kids movies uh well good for kids and, and not for others <laughs> <laughs> did you have any other rewatchable scenes or should we crown a winner of which one's the best I think the gefilte fish takes the crown <laughs> I'll give it to you. Yeah, that uh, Shabbat scene is, is classic. Uh, let's move on to what is age the best here. I have to start with just a Jewish mom's view of a successful career. 
which she says is law, medicine, or science. Has that still held up today? I think that's still intact. I think your, your mom must be very proud of your, your law degree at this point. Well, some of us uh, are still trying to pursue the dream of the NBA. So. You know, when David Sazent, who plays Joker Levi, who's coming on the podcast, he's also now a lawyer. So he's putting that, you know, Jewish mom advice to use. Um, the next one I had is, you know, shooting paper into the trash can. You know, we see rabbi, you know, folding up the paper, throwing it in. I, I still think people are doing that today and yelling Kobe, you know, so uh, I think you could relate to that. Yeah, yeah, true. I think it's, uh, it's uh, had a little bit of a revival since the, the passing of Kobe Bryant. I, I hate to to give him credit for that, but it is uh, usually a Kobe reference. But I'll, I'll throw in the MJ or, you know, Stevie <laughs> franchise in there just for, just for fun. Uh, I love the Sixers gear in Alex's room. He's got the Allen Iverson poster. He's rocking the Allen Iverson jersey through practice. I got a fun fact about Allen Iverson later that I'll hold, but I do love just the NBA, you know, early 2000s references throughout the movie. Uh, I want to go to the bribery. I think the bribery has really aged well. Big Ben Schwartz, even though he's that little guy who Coach Lamont calls him the butt of the team, of course. And he says, during the practice, he's like, here's an extra 10 if I never have to hear the 1755s again. And Lamont's like, thanks for reminding me. So I think this is a move you would have pulled to get out of running in basketball. What do you think? Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, <laughs> the bribery scene is, is, is pretty on par with uh, something that some, some sort of start that I would pull. So <laughs> I, I can support this. And then I had the, the full court press that this team institutes. Uh, I think the full court press has aged well. I think Bob Huggins, you know, the coach of West Virginia, he's really carry on the legacy of the full court press. This is something that you could see in all his teams, and they always do well in the tournament because of the ferocious defense they play. Um, you know, we don't see it a lot in the NBA. What do you think about a full court press? Well, it's definitely uh, highly used in middle school and high school, especially on uh, – on Jewish teams just because <laughs> we can't score. So you might as well try and play defense and see if, if that yields any results. And, and the other team, if you're in a Jewish league, the other team is probably Jewish too. So it's like the worst of two evils and they probably can't dribble a basketball either. So it's really just the first one to steal it wins. Yep. Uh, I had the, you know, the lighting of the menorah for Hanukkah saying the prayer. I won't make you recite the prayer here. We all know it. We could all recite it in our heart. Um, <laughs> Hanukkah presents. I really do miss getting Hanukkah presents. Now that I'm in my late 20s, I really don't really get Hanukkah presents. I miss getting one for each night of Hanukkah. You know, what was your favorite Hanukkah present growing up? Ooh, favorite Hanukkah present. I remember it was the same day, actually, that I broke my collarbone in a basketball game. Uh, during high school, I got an iPod Touch. Wow. The pretty big deal. But the one, the click wheel one, you know, like the, the later version. Oh, no, wait, iPod Touch was the the with the screens yeah you can edit this part out <laughs> <laughs> oh no we're keeping it and i also i think got the ipod touch for hanukkah so you know what i think that was a common probably hanukkah gift throughout the country uh, yeah. the last one i had is just a very small one which is i love in any movie it always works when they just show a tournament bracket and they take the team's you know logo and they just keep moving them you know i think this was popularized and of course the movie dodgeball but i just this always works for a movie uh, did you have any others for what is age the best? You know, I don't think there's much credit I can give to this <laughs> film, but the one thing that really stood out just overall throughout the movie, they did a great job at nailing the Jewish references. You know, they yeah. had Judah the Maccabee in there. They had the dates in there, you know, Hanukkah, 
all the yarmulke references. I mean, <laughs> they nailed the pronunciation of the of the of the prayers. Uh, that's that's where they they earned it, and that's about all they get from me. So, I think I think throughout that's aged well, and it's still applicable. Is it bad that I didn't know the Judah and the Maccabee story? I just completely forgot it. I didn't even know it was a Hanukkah tale. You know, you must have picked me intentionally because <laughs> my name, Matityahu, in Hebrew is a is a it's a Jew, Matthias the, the Maccabee or something like that. Really? So, I'm not sure. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll move on to uh, what is age the worst here. Um, the dad's apron that just says, kiss me, I'm kosher. Do you have an apron like this that you use to cook with? Well, I don't cook, so <laughs> I need it. <laughs> Uh, the kids bragging about their PSAT scores. You know, this is just a typical, you know, Jewish private school probably bragging about PSAT scores. Uh, the mom's horrible cooking. I think even like Stick says, you know, last time I tried one of your mom's cookies, I chipped a tooth. Uh, how was your mom's cooking growing up? I can't complain about my mom's cooking. My mom was decent. My grandma, on the other hand, did not, did not know how to cook either. So, uh, <laughs> I can see where they're, where they're coming from. I remember one time I turned on the oven and it turned out there were grocery bags inside, so. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, uh, that's dangerous. Uh, the Velcro wallet that Schlotsky has, I think we all probably had a Velcro wallet as a kid at that age. I know I did. Um, what else? The basketball cards. I was a huge collector of basketball cards. I, I don't know about you, but I kind of had books and books of basketball cards would trade with my friends after school. Uh, I never had a Dr. J rookie card. I think I was kind of collecting them in that 2001, 2002, 2003 range. Uh, my, my most prized basketball card that I still have is a LeBron James rookie card that I'll probably hold on to. Uh, were you a big basketball card collector as a kid? I wasn't so much a basketball card collector, but uh, as a kid, I actually got real, mem real sports memorabilia from the players themselves, uh, from sports interactions. So when it comes to bribes and, and finagling my way to, to meet the players, I knew how to do that and make it happen <laughs> cute kid factor. <laughs> and, uh, I would always end up with Steve Francis's shoes or Katina Mobley's wristband, the Kembe Matumbo's headband, things like this. So I have a, a collection and I wish I did a better job of keeping track of whose is what or like marking who, who had which item and wh what it came from. But um, I do have a cool collection of uh, personal uh, handed to me memorabilia, but, but never got into the, the cards. And for my listeners who don't know, you know, Matt and both his brother, Mikey, are really been ingrained into the Houston Rockets culture. And, you know, there's always pictures you're sending me of Mikey with Russell Westbrook, with Harden, over the years with Dwight Howard, and, you know, countless Rockets players, Daryl Morey. Uh, how did your family get ingrained with the Rockets? You attended, who was its uh, wedding recently? It's, uh, it's kind of unbelievable how, uh, how deep your family goes into the Rockets. That's true. So it all originated actually uh, in Houston when both my parents lived in Houston and my mom had a choice of buying a new car or buying uh, Rocket season tickets. <laughs> and of course she made the right choice and, and bought Rockets tickets uh, back in the 80s, late 80s. Um, and uh, they just kind of had it ingrained with me from, from a young age. You know, my first word was a Lajuan. So uh, <laughs> it just, it just was, I was born with it. Um, and yeah, we went to Corey Brewer's wedding uh, about uh, a year ago, which was uh, amazing. Uh, so nice of him to, to include our family in that, even if we sat with the bums. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Mike, I mean, you've seen it in action. Mike, you've seen Mikey 
uh, stalk the, the NBA players coming out of the UCLA practice room when you were at, UC, uh, at, at law school there. So yeah. you know how we do things and, and how we get it done. What's the most prized piece of memorabilia that you say you own? Oh, uh, definitely the Steve Francis shoes, but multiple pairs. That's a, that's a highlight. Okay, we'll get back into uh, the movie here. Uh, the mom signing you up for things you don't want to do. Of course, she signs up Alex for shadowing this doctor program. I hated when my mom would come home and be like, I signed you up for this. I signed you up for piano lessons. Mom, I don't want to do piano. I signed you up. You're going to do it. I think Jewish moms just always want to get their kids involved in things, even if, you know, of course, you don't want to do them. Um, this, is, this is honestly ridiculous. This is when Lamont calls the team dogs and TJ thinks he's being insulted by being called a dog. He's like, why are you calling us names now? I think this just really epitomizes white Jewish culture and not being, I guess, hip enough to the cultural references. Yeah, there's definitely some, some cultural references throughout that <laughs> probably don't fly nowadays <laughs> anymore. Also, the, there's a mix between karma and mojo. You know, Alex's mom says karma. Alex responds with nobody under 50 says karma. People say mojo now. I don't know. People say karma. I don't think people say mojo. The last time I heard mojo was in like the Austin Powers movies. I think karma is the word people use, right? I have never heard mojo referenced that way. It yeah. didn't make sense to me. It was, that was a new one. That was one <laughs> that flew over my head. We talked about the gefilte fish. Gefilte fish will always age poorly. Uh, the encyclopedia CD that Alex gets for Hanukkah. Uh, I think I got one of those as a kid, honestly. It's like the worst gift you could possibly get when you unwrap something. The basketball scenes, as we mentioned, are just terrible. Alex has horrible form. He looks like he's shooting with two hands throughout the movie. That hook shot, it doesn't look like the way it would come off the glass like that into the, off the backboard and in. It's, it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, some moments in the movie. I, I'm so glad you're, you're doing this podcast where we just shit on the movies. <laughs> Look, we don't shit on all We don't shit on all the movies. We did a great one on Brink. We recorded one on Johnny Tsunami. It's just, I think a lot of these sports movies, the scenes were you know, less than desired. Um, they just use a lot of quick shots. They keep showing just the ball going into the net. They never even showed the shooting. It's just constantly a montage of just the ball going in. Uh, they don't really take the time to really break out the scenes, which I get because it's tough to choreograph. The last thing for what is age the worst is the music before the championship game. I don't know if you caught this. There's some weird mixtape of the song Dreidel, Dreidel. It just says like Dreidel, 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 Dreidel. I made it out of clay. Like it's some like weird hip hop remix of the song. It's awful. Yeah, I would happen to agree. When they first started that song, actually, it reminded me a little bit of Like Mike with Lil Bow Wow. And then I realized that it, went, it turned real south real quick. <laughs> and then this is when they're also dancing before the game. I never danced before a youth basketball game. I don't know if you did. No, definitely not. <laughs> I think if we did that, we would have we we been pushed down and beaten. <laughs> We were already took a, took a, tough, took a tough time. If, if we tried to throw some taunting in there, it definitely wouldn't have gone over well with the other team. I had enough broken bones in, in high school basketball. <laughs> I, I think that I had enough. Um, let's move on to which actor or actress. Hold you know, on, you... J.O. You're, 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 you're skipping the most, the most age the worst part. Okay, give it to me. The guy says in the movie, for Hanukkah, you got a hard drive for 200 gigs. What's he talking about? 200 gigs of memory. You got a hard drive for Hanukkah? 
Nobody gets a hard drive for Hanukkah. This is, you know, that's the most age the worst scene in the movie. If that's where we're going here. You, you clearly missed the boat. You know, Big Ben Schwartz loves a good hard drive. Who am I to get in his way? Uh, so with that, thank you for interrupting me so rudely. Uh, we'll move on to which actor or actress would you have thought would have made it big after watching it. There's probably only one obvious answer here, but the options are Alex Lenz, who of course plays Alex Schlotsky, uh, Cassie Steele, who plays Julie, Eric Knudsen, who plays TJ, David Sazent, who plays Joker Levi, and Sean Marquette, who plays Big Ben Schwartz. Uh, which one of these young kids would you have thought would have had a long acting career? Oh, see, I, I misinterpreted this one. <laughs> Great. My, <laughs> so, so my understanding was like, who, who had it, it, it coming next? And I, I went with Rabbi Lewis. I thought Rabbi, Rabbi Lewis. Yeah, you know, he, he nailed all the references. He, he was a supportive figure. He, he, was, he was the best actor out of all of them. But I thought Rabbi Lewis had it made in, made in the shade. But I looked at his IMDb profile and it turns out nothing was there. So. <laughs> well, thank you for not doing your homework and uh, recording this. But uh, I'd have to give it to Alex Lenz. He was definitely, he definitely gave the best performance in the movie. He had to do a lot. He really just carried the movie. He was the main actor. Uh, the basketball, you know, skills, I don't know if they're really his. We'll talk about his IMDb a little bit later, but I think he definitely, after watching this, would have thought had the longest career. Let's move on to, you know, these Disney movies were always trying to teach you a lesson. And I'm curious, after watching Full Court Miracle, what were you supposed to learn from the movie? You know, it was the classic feel good, you know, help, help a brother out type, type film, um, you know, welcoming, welcoming others into the community was definitely a, a piece to it. And then uh, sharing the ball, passing the ball was another, uh, another component, but you know, just about every other basketball Disney film, so. Sure, uh, I, I really like the scene where Lamont talks to the kids and I, I think it was TJ that says, we're a bunch of Jewish basketball kids, you know, we're never gonna be good. And he goes, don't do that, don't put yourself in a box ever. And I really love that line. You know, I think people limit themselves by, you know, maybe how they look or who they are, but it really just shows that anyone could do anything. You know, don't restrict yourself to some label. Um, I love his shooting advice. Don't think, just relax. And I know even for myself playing basketball, the worst thing you could do is get in your own head at times. And it's just best if you're just playing, you're not thinking about anything and you're just out there moving. Um, I love the line that Alex's mom tells him where she says, you know, letting go for a parent can be just as hard as growing up as a kid. And I could definitely relate to this. You know, I think going away to college and, you know, of course, if you're like going away to sleepaway camp, it's tough for parents to let go. And I think we forget that. Um, I don't really know if a lot of parents are watching these movies with their kids, but I'm sure, you know, it's probably tough for your parents when you went away to school and, you know, letting go, you know, of their first son going away, right? Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't wait to get rid of you, right? <laughs> Definitely. My parents signed up for Empty Nesters Club after, after my brother left. Before my brother left. Three months into his senior year, they had already signed up for Empty Nesters RS. <laughs> what, what is Empty Nesters Club? I don't even know. I don't know what they did. I think they put cards or something. Oh, man. Okay. Uh... My, my dad, my, they signed up for Mahjong, and then my dad got in a fight with one of the other guys, so they got kicked out. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, you know, this is, this is exactly what you look for on this podcast. Uh, let's yeah, move definitely. on. I'm to so the... glad we can take up 200 gigs of memory on this one. <laughs> definitely worth that kid's uh, full iPad on this one. 
let's move on to the coolest parent award. And I think we have two options here. We have a, uh, you know, Linda Cash, who plays the role of Cynthia Schlotsky, Alex's mom. And then we have Jason Blicker, who plays Marshall Schlotsky. So I'm curious, which one of these parents would you have wanted growing up? I think it's pretty obvious that this is a, an easy one going with Marshall here. Marshall seemed to be the supportive one, messing around, throws the basketball at a car, no problem. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's not too common that you get, especially in a Jewish parent, that usually anal and like, yeah. just like, you know, the uh, Alex's mom plays that uh, anal Jewish mom uh, figure. So, you know, we all have to handle it and, and have one of those, but you, you hope for the other, or at least, at least the, the cool dad to balance it out. I would completely agree. I think Marshall's the no-brainer answer here. Even though he has no basketball skills, he's always coming up with those great one-liner jokes. You know, he tries to do that cool handshake with Lamont after giving him the apartment, which just goes over so terribly. But the mom is just not supportive of Alex's dreams at all. She disses Lamont, saying that he abandoned his family to chase some childhood fantasy. Honestly, it's, it's really bad. Um, I'm curious, does, does this parent dynamic remind you of your own? A little bit. I guess, yeah, my mom is uh, a little bit on, can be on top of me, but she was always pretty supportive of me and, and my dreams, especially when it came to basketball, given that we're just like innately a, a basketball family. But, she, you know, she, she gives me my space. Once I moved out of home, I was, I was home free. You know, I do what I want and, and I'm lucky for that. So I can't complain uh, too much. But my dad's definitely the joking, awkward character, uh, <laughs> just loud New Yorker-esque yeah. and and makes whatever jokes he wants and doesn't suffer or doesn't, doesn't think there are any repercussions. So <laughs> I could definitely relate to that with my dad. Uh, let's move on to nitpicks and you know, what doesn't make sense about the plot. I want to start with the movie is supposed to take place in Philadelphia. However, you could clearly see the CN tower and the sky dome. They're clearly filming this in Toronto, Canada. So that's a little bit of a nitpick. Uh, the picture when Alex is looking up Lamont on the UVA basketball website, that's clearly not the actor, but the actual Lamont Carr. He looks like 50 years old in that picture of the UVA basketball team. He doesn't even look like a young guy. I did not know Lamont Carr is a real uh, Oh, yeah. Actor. Someone did not do their homework clearly in this. I guess not. <laughs> um, did you ever do 1755s, having to run up and down the court 17 times in under 55 seconds? I never heard of this drill. I've never heard of this one either. Also, their courts were pretty, pretty <laughs> crappy. So I don't think those were 90-foot regulation right there. There's no way you could even do that in 55 seconds, I think. Honestly, you know, I've heard of suicides, but never these 1755s. Um, yeah, they had, they had Jewish experts covering all the Jewish uh, accuracy, but they clearly missed the basketball ones, especially, with, you know. How the, how the movie played out the basketball scenes. Why are they practicing in full winter attire? They're not even shorts and a t-shirt. What's going on? Yeah, that was one of my, uh, one of my items. Uh, I don't know how you, you can't play like that. He had a button down on. What is he doing? <laughs> Sticks, no way you can do the hook shot with the button down. Uh, the Lions haven't won a game in two years. How did they even qualify for this tournament? I guess everybody just makes it. They shouldn't allow this team to be in it, to be honest. Well, you don't know how Jewish leagues work. I mean, every team is always included. You get the participation trophy. So that's, that's how they got in it. Doesn't matter how bad you are, you're always a part of the team. When Lamont's finally coaching at the school, why are they still practicing on that outdoor shitty court when they clearly have an indoor basketball court? Yeah, I, I, that was another one that stumped me. <laughs> 
there are a bunch of random kids on the team in the locker room and on the court at the end of the at the end of the movie, but we never see them during the practices. Why is only half the team practicing? You only have the main actors, like five of them, actually practicing, but there's clearly more kids on the team. Yeah, I would have to reference that to just lack of skill. Those those <laughs> actors probably couldn't even dribble a basketball. It was bad enough watching the five that tried to dribble a basketball, but you're not going to get you know a stunt double to dribble a ball. So it just you took what you can. And I had a, you know, Lamont is so focused on this workout for the Sixers. You know, where's his agent? Shouldn't he be trying out for international teams? Shouldn't he be looking at other teams in the NBA? Why is he just focused on one team? You know, I think it's pretty hard to, to have an agent when you're homeless. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit tough. I, I would imagine I, I, I put that one on, on that. Right there. <laughs> the last one I had is just, was it possible for the fuel to end until the end of the game? Definitely not. But also, like, <laughs> if you look at the uh, uh, engine room of that, of that generator, I think something was definitely fishy going on there. Also, the ruler, what's, what's he measuring? <laughs> Give me a break. This he's is, an algebra teacher, Matt. He's an algebra teacher. I, I'm glad you reminded me because he didn't remind me throughout the movie. <laughs> Did you have any other nitpicks or should we move on to best quote? I think, again, the just... Um, Co the coach uh, liking to fail to fish. I, I don't think that's, that's how they should have portrayed it. You know, usually it's, you know, if you think about classic good movies like Rush Hour, where Chris Tucker tries to eat gefil to fish, it's, a, it's, a, it's, you know, an immediate spit this out type reaction, whereas this guy is asking for more and then wants to chop a liver. So that was, that was a nitpick for me. Maybe he's just trying to be polite, you know, eating the terrible Jewish food, even though he doesn't want to. And he's just trying to show good manners there. Uh, let's move on to best quote. The one I want to start with is actually the first line of the movie, which Julie says to Alex while they're walking to school. And Julie says, Allen Iverson and 20 points couldn't help your team. You're the only team in history that, that should be sued for malpractice. She really wants to be a doctor, but she doesn't even know what malpractice is. This is just kind of messed up. She's always tormenting Alex on how bad the team is, you know, saying, you know, you could have Allen Iverson on your team. You're still not going to win. Uh, did you have anyone in your life growing up that was just feeding you these, you know, really a lot of discouragement? Uh, well, I think it was easy just to discourage yourselves once, uh, <laughs> once you see yourself play. It was, it was pretty easy to, to get down. And, and in high school, I did have a pretty rude coach uh, who pretty much told us how we were, how bad we were. So that, uh, that was not enjoyable. I have a Joker Levi who's, you know, he's pretty much saying, you know, what are you, what are you asking for for Hanukkah besides the word pass being removed from the English language? This is just a great burn to Alex, who, of course, does not pass the basketball. He's just a ball hog, similar to your boy, James Harden. Um, <laughs> Alex asked TJ, you know, do you know what Judah Maccabee looks like? And TJ responds, I'm pretty sure he wasn't a six foot five African-American, which you never know. You know, Judah Maccabee could be anyone, right? Sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, Lamont, this is a great line to Alex. You're wasting your time with basketball. You should be a lawyer. Big Ben Schwartz. This is a classic one. He goes, you know, he asks, you know, Judah and, you know, Lamont's like, what's Judah? And he goes, it's what we call our great athletes in case we ever have one. That's a low blow for Jewish athletics, right? There's, there's good Jewish athletes. We've had a few here and there. <laughs> It's, it's, not, it's not so common, but usually not basketball. We've had some baseball. We've had some real baseball standouts. But in basketball, you know, I guess you could go with Red Albrock as, uh, <laughs> as our primed, uh, primed example. 
We could count Amari Stoudemire, right? He converted. Sure, we'll take him. We take what we can. <laughs> we, of course, have Ryan Braun, the Hebrew hammer, who I think got busted for performance-enhancing drugs, so we won't bring that up. I love Big Ben Schwartz. He's got classic lines. He's like, what kind of practice is this when we're running? Practice to have a heart attack? Just a classic line I think you would have said as a kid. Um, Alex says, you know, at least Ben can make it up and down the court now after all the conditioning. And Joker just says, you know, great. Now he's lousy at both ends because he can make it up and down the court. So it's just a lot of these one-liners that are great. I think this might be my favorite, though. Lamont asked TJ, you know, when he's trying to just, you know, get him to stop cursing and getting these technical fouls. He's like, what's the sweetest thing you could think of? And TJ just goes, Rebecca Bloomberg. You know, did you have a Rebecca Bloomberg growing up, Matt? I did have a Rebecca Bloomberg <laughs> reveal her name uh, on camera, but but of course I, I had a, a, a elementary school crush, and uh, I don't think I used her as uh, as something to think about on the court. That, that <laughs> for anyone else on the court, but yeah, <laughs> that's got to be the most stereotypical Jewish name, right, Rebecca Bloomberg? Oh, they went they went all the way there, yeah. <laughs> But accurate. At least it's accurate. Yep, it is accurate. Uh, the last one I had, which is what we alluded to earlier, and the rabbi asked Coach Simowitz, you know, how much time do we have left? And he's just like, I teach algebra. And he says that constantly. Just a classic line. Uh, did you have any others for best quotes? I think when uh, uh, Alex was watching uh, Lamont uh, in the first uh, scene play basketball, I loved when he, when he said, think he can jam. <laughs> classic, you know. As a kid, you, you, you know, you, that's, the, that's the bar. If you can dunk the ball, that's when you know he, you're not messing around. So that, that, that one stood out to me. And then, um, and then I think I forgot the, the, the bad, the villain kid of the, of the movie, you know, on the other team says, uh, you guys are on the worst team in the entire history of basketball. Just, you know, complete uh, uh, exaggeration, of course, but um, yeah, again, I mean, he should have seen, he should have seen my team growing up. <laughs> uh, let's move on to some unanswerable questions. And I want to start with, maybe this one does have an answer. Why are Jews so bad at basketball? I think because of uh, Alex's mom. That's, that's what <laughs> it is. You know, if you have Jewish moms pressuring you to be a doctor and a lawyer and, and they don't turn the corner like Alex's mom did in the movie, then you're going to end up being a doctor or a lawyer. So that's why we're doctors and lawyers and not in the NBA. So you really think it's just the Jewish moms. If we actually had more people pursuing the NBA, we get more players. It's not that, you know, we really lack in size and athleticism. It's not that, right? No, it's just, that's, you know, that's a side piece to it. That's, that's just a small <laughs> subset, you know. Don't, don't ever judge a book by, by its cover, Jordan. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I should listen to the movie. Uh, is this a Jewish basketball league that they're playing in? It looks like they're playing against other like inner city schools. I'm seeing a lot of African-American kids, you know, they could be Jewish. I'm not sure, but it looks like they're not playing in a private Jewish school league. You'd be surprised again, those private Jewish school leagues, like the, the, the more serious teams do recruit outside of the Jewish faith. Really? Very smart. And as a kid, you're, you're, to be honest, you're a little bit against that. It's, uh, it's, uh. (laughs) Not you feel like it's not fair. I'll I'll leave the <laughs> it's out of this, but but it's it's not fair. These schools are just recruiting kids just for basketball. It's not because you know academics or they're trying to improve the diversity at the school. Sure, could be. <laughs> they're trying to, trying to improve diversity, and 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 I am fully supportive of all those uh, reasons. Uh, 
you know, how did Alex meet Julie, do you think? I don't think she goes to the same school, right? Do they? That was never discussed in the film. That's a good point. Didn't think about that one, but could be. Uh, why won't Alex pass the basketball? Is this James Harden, you know, back in the early 2000s? Maybe he learned too much from Allen Iverson. Why won't he pass? I think it's more of a, a something they picked up from Kobe because Kobe was in his prime at that time. This is before, remember, this is 2003, before James Harden was... Yeah. Maybe even born. So uh, <laughs> this, is, this is clearly some, a symptom that he picked up from Kobe Bryant. What do you think Alex is up to now? Do you think he ultimately made the NBA? Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all saw his skills in that movie. There was no way he was making it to, <laughs> to, to college basketball, let alone the AAU league. So good luck to Alex in his, in his career. He looked like he was just carrying the ball with every dribble that he took. He, just terrible basketball skills. Uh, the last one I had is, what's the bigger miracle? You know, the oil lasting for eight days for Hanukkah or the fuel in the generator lasting until the end of the game? I would say the, the bigger miracle would have to be the uh, generator lasting for longer. But, but I think not so much the generator. I just think the fact that the team won the league. That's, that's <laughs> the miracle of it all. There's no way this team is winning any leagues or any games. They, they just lost two years straight. So uh, I don't think they, they – uh, I think that's where it really comes together. Did you have any other unanswerable questions, or should we move on to some uh, research? Yeah, I think uh, we never find out what happens to Rebecca Bloomberg, actually. You know, <laughs> you, you hear about this, this uh, uh, middle school crush in this relationship, and, and we don't hear anything of it. It's just a, a one-and-done type, type scene, and it's definitely an unanswered question. I agree. I just love that scene where TJ, you know, just yells Rebecca Bloomberg during the game, and we get that cutaway to her in the stands. It's a classic, uh, you know, teen moment there. So let's get into some uh, half-assed internet research, and I want to start with, what I said earlier, you know, it was shot in Toronto, not Philadelphia. This is an interesting fact that I actually learned during my interview with David Sazen, who plays Joker Levi. Apparently, Allen Iverson was supposed to be the NBA cameo in the movie. He was originally attached to star, obviously, because the movie was supposed to take place in Philly. But since it is in Toronto, they ended up getting Jerome Williams, who we see in the movie, because he was playing for the Toronto Raptors at the time. A little bit of trivia. Do you know Jerome Williams' famous nickname? Uh, I did look this up, and I did forget it. But it was something <laughs> how he's a hustler, which, which I do like. I don't remember watching him play growing up. I, I didn't remember him. I, he looked familiar. When I watched the movie, I was like, okay, he's, he's an NBA star. And then, and then I had to, to look it up. But uh, uh, I do not remember his nickname. What's his nickname, Jordan? So his nickname was JYD, which stood for Junkyard Dog, which has got to be one of the best NBA nicknames. Um, That's great. Very Patrick Beverly-esque. I like it. <laughs> this, is, this is also something I found interesting. The movie has two sources of inspiration here. So it's obviously inspired by the true story of Lamont Carr, who was actually a UVA basketball player. And it's a story of Chad Korpak and Alex Barbag. All these people are real people. And Lamont Carr was the first African-American basketball player to graduate from UVA he ended up getting his law degree from Washington and Lee. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2007. But the writer, Joel Silverman, who was a friend of Lamont's at UVA, who wrote the script, he was inspired by Lamont's time coaching a Jewish basketball team in Boca Raton, Florida, which is where I lived, actually, for a part of my life. So it definitely uh, it brought it back. But apparently, there's a conflicting story 
that it was also inspired by ex-Sixer Joe Jellybean Bryant, who, of course, is Kobe Bryant's dad. The dad, Joe Jellybean Bryant, coached the girls of Akiba Hebrew Academy in Philly in order to let his son, Kobe, play basketball at the nearby Lower Marion High School. So, you know, I think there's a mix of stories here. Which one are you, a, you know, more of a fan of going off of, or do you think it was a mix of both? Wow, interesting. Those are some good facts, Jordan. You did some good, uh, some good things. <laughs> I'm sure it's a little bit of a mix of both, but you're, you're, you're forgetting one of the main pieces of inspiration to the story. You're forgetting the story of Hanukkah. <laughs> that was, the, that was the, the, the underlying theme behind both, behind both stories. You, whether, whatever theory you believe, the theory of Hanukkah is, is behind it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that sentiment. Uh, the last piece of research I found was just about, you know, Alex Linz, who, of course, plays Alex Shalotsky. He ended up going to Hamilton High School here in Los Angeles, then went on to, you know, Berkeley and then UCLA for grad school. And doing some research, it looks like he's a legal researcher for Smith and Baltax, which is a workers' compensation law firm in San Francisco. His mom was actually a lawyer and his dad was a professor at UCSB. You know, as much as he wanted to be a basketball player, I think he ended up taking, you know, maybe his Lamont Carr's advice in that he ended up a lawyer, kind of. Interesting. I did look up Alex's profile on Facebook and I thought <laughs> he went for the waste management company. So, <laughs> you know, as always, Matt, great research for this movie. I could clearly tell that you really took it seriously. I really appreciate it. Uh, let's move on to, uh, Apex Mountain here, you know, when Again, was this? Jordan, I'm going to have to cut you off. Let's hear it. You're, you're forgetting about Lamont's background. Do you know Lamont's background? Preach. Uh, here's, here's some tidbits for you. So Clarence Jones uh, was born in Tokyo and was the, no, yeah. <laughs> was born in Tokyo, that's a fact, and is the son of Clarence Jones, who was a baseball player in the MLB, and then went to, to, to Japan to play in their league. So I don't remember the actor's real name, Lamont's, <laughs> Lamont's real name, but, but uh, he's the son of Clarence Jones, who is an NBA player. So MLB. Oh, wow. So Richard Jones is the name of the actor who plays Lamont. Got it. Right. And his dad is Clarence Jones. So do you Are, think that was actually Richard Jones playing basketball, or do you think that was a stunt double? Oh, good question. I think, I think he could have pulled it off. You think so? You think he was actually dunking? Yeah, yeah. His, his dad's pretty sport uh, uh, active, so, you know, it's uh, a sports figure back in the day, so I, I think it's fair to, to assume, and I think there's some other factors of his uh, being that, that make it easy to assume that, that he's actually dunking and playing. Fair enough. I, I could see that. Uh, let's move on to Apex Mountain, which is, of course, when did this, you know, actor or thing have the most, you know, notoriety, you know, popularity, when we were at the peak of their career, and let's start with Alex Lenz, who, of course, plays the iconic role of Alex Schlotsky. He was in the other Disney Channel original movie, The Jenny Project, which is a very under-the-radar movie. He was the star of Home Alone 3 in 97. He did the voice of the young Tarzan in the movie Tarzan, of course. He was in one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, he was the brother who turned into the pig in My Brother the Pig. I don't know if you ever saw this movie, Matt. This was with Eva Mendez and a very young Scarlett Johansson. And he played Max Keeble in Max Keeble's Big Move, which is one of my all-time classics as well, and a movie we're definitely going to be covering at some point on the Relunchables podcast. I would personally give it to Max Keeble's Big Move. Uh, what do you think? Are you familiar with his work? 
I did see he was in Home Alone 3. And I think he was the main character of that as well, but as a young child. So I think he peaked at probably the age of, I don't know, what, what he must have been eight or nine at that point. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that was his peak realistically. When it comes to the, the box office figures, I'm pretty sure that takes the crown. Yeah, you're probably right. Home Alone 3. Uh, what about Richard Jones, who, of course, plays Lamont Carr? He was in the movie Phone Booth with Colin Farrell, uh, Vantage Point. He was in Godzilla, Concussion. He was in 10 episodes of the show Narcos on Netflix, uh, probably best known uh, for his role on Judging Amy on CBS. He always seems to be playing some sort of law enforcement. He's always either like a cop or military or, D or you know, DEA, CIA. Um, again, I'm not really sure what his apex was. I guess I'd give it to, you know, Narcos. I guess that's his biggest role aside from Judging Amy, which I definitely don't watch. Uh, what would you say it is? Sure, I'll go with Narcos. <laughs> <laughs> and let's move to Cassie Steele, who, of course, plays, you know, the love interest friend, Julie. Uh, she was in eight episodes of Rick and Morty, but she's best known. And how I know her as a kid, you know, my sister loved the show Degrassi as a kid growing up. And she played the iconic role of Manny Santos for 10 seasons. You know, this was also filmed in Toronto. It was a Canadian kids show. And I guess that's where she probably lived to be cast in all these Toronto productions. I think it's the grassy hands down. Did you ever watch the grassy as a kid? I did not watch the grassy. The only thing I know about it is that Drake was in it. He was, he was, he got shot and had to end up in a wheelchair. Very iconic moment in the show Degrassi. Uh, what about Stuart Gillard, who was the director of the movie? He also directed several Disney Channel original movies, including The Scream Team, Going to the Mat, Twitches, Twitches 2. He also directed episodes of the show Charmed, One Tree Hill, Jane the Virgin. I'm giving it to Full Court Miracle. I think this is the best thing he's done. Yeah, I, I would have to agree based on the list of shows that I've never <laughs> heard of. So uh, actually, I, I, when, when you asked me this question about Apex Mountain, I, I thought that uh, no one peaked in this, in this film, but, but I, I, uh, I failed to think about the, the uh, uh, productorial staff. Yeah. And what about David Sazant, who, of course, plays Joker Levi? He's coming on the podcast later this week. His really only other iconic role was in the movie Mean Girls. And for my listeners who don't remember him, he played the captain of the Marymount Mathletes. So that iconic scene where, you know, Lindsay Lohan is on the Mathletes for her high school and she's going against the other team. The captain of that team is David Sazant. Uh, so I'd probably give it to Mean Girls over this. I know he has probably a bigger speaking role in Full Court Miracle, but Mean Girls is such an iconic film. One of the probably the biggest cult classic of that time. Yeah, I think you're giving him uh, a lot of credit when, when you <laughs> refer to him as a lot of lines in Full Court Miracle. <laughs> if you're giving him a lot of credit in Full Court Miracle for his lines and, and numbers there, then I can only imagine what that must be like in Mean Girls. We'll move on. I can't let you disparage someone who's coming on the podcast like that. So I'm not even going to answer that. Uh, what about Sheila McCarthy, who plays the evil Mrs. Klein? She was in The Day After Tomorrow. Uh, she plays Agnes in the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. She was in Die Hard 2. Um, I'd probably give it to The Day After Tomorrow. She plays that librarian, uh, and of course, in the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Uh, what would you say? Are, are you familiar with Sheila's work? I'm not, but I am a big fan of the Die Hard series. Primarily number one, yeah. but, but number two was, was solid, and, and I think I'd have to go with that just because uh, – 
that's one of my favorites. What about the apex of Disney Channel original movie basketball movies specifically? You know, we have Double Teamed, we have The Luck of the Irish, we have High School Musical, and we have Full Court Miracle. Um, I don't know how many of these you've seen, but where would you put Full Court Miracle out of this group? That's a good question. I would have to say probably Luck of the Irish is, is above this. Um, and then High School Musical, again, just above that, based on fame and popularity. But if you're talking to the Jewish community, this <laughs> of course takes the number one spot, not just of basketball-themed Disney Channel movies, but of all Disney Channel movies, just because, you know, you, you, you see someone like yourself on the TV and, and getting that exposure, and you don't look that weird. We could have done much worse. They could have portrayed us as a, a lot worse than, than what it looked, so... I would have to go with, uh, with this is the all time. Yeah, I don't know. Throwing the ball over the backboard and throwing a pass to somebody's back doesn't really make us look that great. But we do see the improvement at the end in the hook shot. So you're right. Uh, this is a tough one because I think out of these movies, Double Teamed and Full Court Miracle are the only ones that actually have a ton of basketball scenes specifically. You know, The Luck of the Irish, there's scenes in the beginning. There's the famous game at the end. High School Musical, you know, we see some scenes throughout. but I think in this one and double team is really a movie about basketball. So I would, it's, it's really tough. I'd probably say it's number one. And that's just because I'm a sucker for this movie because it's about Jewish kids and playing basketball. But I think you can make an argument for a lot of these, but you're right. High school musical is definitely the most popular out of these last one. Interesting question. Was this the apex of Hanukkah movies? You know, as a Jew, there's so many Christmas movies and we don't really see a lot of Hanukkah movies. We have, the Rugrats Hanukkah episode, we have Eight Crazy Nights, we have, you know, the Hebrew Hammer, you know, with the actor Adam Goldberg, who we know from Entourage. You know, where would you put this as, you know, great Hanukkah movies? I would put it at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Eight Crazy Nights easily takes the, takes the crown for, for Hanukkah movies growing up. Uh, and, and I think that's what's unique about it. This movie is geared towards kids, and, and it's not so enjoyable as an adult. <laughs> whereas, whereas Eight Crazy Nights, maybe not so great for kids, but it's definitely a movie you want to see as a kid and enjoy. You're not going to get all the humor. But then as an adult, it's still pretty good. It's a, it's a solid movie. I'm a big Adam Sandler fan. So, uh, you know, I know, Jordan, you have a lot of outreach. So Adam Sandler, this one's for you. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I have to say Eight Crazy Nights is the winner here. It's definitely the most iconic of these movies. Uh, love Adam Sandler, love anything he does. So yeah, A Crazy Nice is definitely the apex of Hanukkah movies. Uh, who won the movie in your opinion? Oh, that's a good question. Again, I, I'm going with Rabbi. I was a big fan <laughs> of Rabbi in this one. Uh, I think he does a great job of, of portraying himself. You know, he, he, he's going with the, the, the one-liner, you know, what's on your mind uh, uh, aside from the, from the yarmulke? So uh, just another classic uh, one-liner there. And, and he portrays us as not too crazy. Uh, he could have made us look much worse. So, so he did great, you know, nailed all the, all the uh, semantics. And, and uh, I, I, I think he's the winner. Honestly, I think that's a good call. He really portrayed a rabbi really well. Like every rabbi that I know, like, is also giving you those little tidbits of Jewish history and trying to make them applicable to your day-to-day -day life. He's a little pushy, but not too pushy. He's trying to make things happen. He's trying to come up with solutions for how Lamont could coach the team. Um, I'm going to go with Alex Linz, you know, as Alex Schlotsky. You know, he has to win the movie. You know, he's the main guy. You know, he gives the final assist to win the game. 
Um, just a great performance by him. And I think his character, you know, he's actually, the actor's Jewish. So it really adds something seeing him in this role. Uh, let's move on to, you know, where does this rank all time in the Disney Channel original movie universe? Aubrey Page, we've brought up before, a writer on, for Collider, said this movie was ranked 82nd. And her review was, Disney has done a lot of true life sports retellings. This is maybe the dullest of them all. That's pretty harsh. She must not be Jewish, right? That, that must be it. Yeah, she's probably an anti-Semite. <laughs> <laughs> this has got to be the best Jewish basketball movie where there's an African-American coach, right? You know, I guess so. With that, <laughs> that niche, uh, uh, cornering of the, of the, of the you know, market, I, I guess you don't have to agree. Where would you say this movie ranks? I know you haven't seen a ton of these films, but it's not 82nd, right? You know, I was shocked, actually, of the number of Disney Channel original movies that have come out. It's, it's still kind of ongoing. I was yeah. stunned to, to see that. So uh, I, I, I only know probably like five or ten. So, <laughs> so I put this on the bottom of the five or ten that I know, though, towards the bottom. But, but it does have a Jewish reference. So, so I'll, give it, I'll bump it up a couple spots just, because, just for that. As someone who's probably seen literally every single one of these up until probably like 2006, which is definitely when I was a freshman in high school, and was definitely too old to see to keep watching these, and I definitely did. Um, it's not the best Disney Channel original movie, but I probably put in like the 20 to 30 range. It definitely does not deserve an 82 rating, as Aubrey Page gave it. Uh, let's move on to you know, could this be remade? Uh, would you want to see a sequel or a prequel? Uh, would you want to see a movie where maybe Alex grows up? Maybe he's the coach of his old Hebrew school. Maybe he married Julie, who's now a doctor. You know, or maybe he's trying to run this school. I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the story of Bob Hurley, who coaches the St. Anthony's you know, private Catholic school in New Jersey. Would you want to see something where you know, maybe he's running the school and he's trying to raise money to keep the school afloat? Maybe he's the basketball coach. What would you want to see in terms of a sequel? Yeah, I think there's uh, a lot of options here. You could also... Uh, you could have followed uh, Coach Lamont's uh, path too, like not even having Alex as the same character just because those players were so bad. You know, <laughs> they move on to high school and you have a new, a whole new class of, of middle schoolers and then, you, you know, you can really train their, their skill set from, from scratch. So I think that was another uh, opportunity that, that Disney has to, to uh, pursue as well. If you were recasting this movie with an NBA player to play Lamont, who would you choose? Ooh. That's a good question. You know, I think John Sally would be quite fun. And he's done some, some acting uh, appearances as well. So I feel like that would be a, a, a good one, you know? Um, he has the knee issues too. So that's on par and, and uh, he's a, quite a, uh, an enjoyable character. Maybe, maybe uh, Lamont was a little too uh, grim throughout the beginning of the movie. I don't know if John Sally could pull that off, but I think he'd, be a, he'd make for a great uh, coach. I have to agree with you. I think John Sally is a great pick. Of course, he was fantastic in Bad Boys too, And uh, I think he would have fit right into that role of Lamont Carr. Kind of that, you're right, it would be a very different role. John Sally is much more energetic and more passionate. But I think that would make for a, a more fun movie. Absolutely. I happen to agree. And if, if you look at, there were, there were a lot of similarities uh, between this movie and like Mike a little bit. There, well, not actually that many, except for, <laughs> except basketball. for basketball. <laughs> But John Sally happened to be in that movie, too. Actually, when I first saw the movie, uh, uh, I thought that the main 
basketball player of like Mike was the coach. <laughs> I started my research. I was looking it up and then I realized, no, I'm wrong. But That's a little racist, but we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> what about, uh, you know, I asked all my guests whether the movie lived up to how you remembered it as a kid. And since, you know, you never watched this movie as a kid, I'm going to ask you, you know, whether you wished you had seen it growing up. Growing up, I think it would have been a good film to watch uh, as a kid, just, you know, being in the basketball scene and suffering through all those uh, basketball losses. But I think it would have been, it could have potentially given me false hope just because, you know, as a kid, I continued to lose. And, and when I got older, I never really won. So uh, I've just had a losing career. So I think it would have given me false hope. And hey, I might have been better off uh, sticking with my acting career instead of uh, pursuing my dream of the NBA. You know, maybe if you had seen this, you would be, you know, wandering around parks looking for homeless men to coach you. Could be, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining the Relunchables podcast. I just, and, you know, to take us out, will you please give us, you know, the Hanukkah blessing? Ooh. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm going to do the listeners a favor and just uh, end it before we get to that, to that portion. <laughs> Uh, thanks for coming on, Matt. I appreciate it. Of course. So glad we could, we could be, uh, uh, I could be a part of this. And for all those listeners that are still <laughs> listening an hour into this podcast, good for you. You clearly have nothing to do in quarantine. <laughs> You're talking to my dad right now, so you can say whatever you want to him. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I would like to thank my guest, Matthew Altschul, for coming on the podcast. You could subscribe to the Relunchables podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave us a rating or review. Five stars only. Later this week, I'll be joined by one of the stars of Full Court Miracle, David Sazent, who plays the iconic role of Joker Levi. Stay tuned. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube